Hi there, everybody. Welcome to episode 196 of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Can you believe it? We're almost 10 years strong here. Pretty amazing. Some fun things are happening in the paragliding world. The Chablay Hike and Fly just went down. Uh, Tangay Renaud Good gave Kriegel a heck of a run for his money, but Kriegel got him in the end, as he does. And the worlds are going on, and the Red Bull X-Alps is about to start. I'm heading over there in a week to uh, run around with those guys and do some reporting for the fans. It should be pretty fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Getting away from this house build. Well, yeah, 196. We're going to be hopefully doing another book that'll be based on the second 100 shows. And that's coming right up. I'm going to get to work on another book. My guest today is Andre Kuznetsov. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, Andre, I apologize. Uh, Andre is the owner of AirQuest Parallel Gliding out in New England. He's obviously not from New England with that name, but he's been over here for a while, and he was a longtime national member of the skydiving team. He, owns, he has a whole bunch of world records, and he, including the Genius Record, which is part of the Hunway Hundred Way Canopy Formation, and he was a longtime reserve test pilot. So AirQuest does a lot of repacks, and he reached out to me after the show about uh, the reserve. Well, reserve toss went right, but after the glider uh, had a line failure, maybe or maybe not, we don't know, but. The, uh, the show we did a few weeks back and he had some thoughts on that and a lot of thoughts on repacks and reserves and how to throw them and the transition from skydiving to paragliding he never even flew a sea glider he flew a 200k flight on a B in Texas just a couple years into his uh, flying in 2012 and just skipped the whole sea altogether, went straight to a D because it was too slow compared to skydiving. So a uh, rather different progression and a lot of really interesting uh, things came out of his history in skydiving and transition into flying. So uh, he found a lot of it pretty straightforward. And I don't know a ton about skydiving, so I found all that really fascinating. And I think you will too. So. Enjoy this talk with Andre about reserves and records and doing some cool flights back east to the beach and and taking care of your kit. Cheers. Andre, welcome to the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Thanks for reaching out and telling me about your your history a bit. We're going to be talking a lot about skydiving and your canopy experience and the crossover into paragliding and your company. And specifically, we're going to talk, sounds like a lot about reserves and the importance of packing correctly as you're seeing a lot of really bad packing. So welcome to the show and, and thanks for sharing your time with us. Uh, hi, Gavin. Uh, thank you for the uh, invitation. I'm happy to Shared my experience uh, with skydiving and with uh, paragliding as well. How you said, I'm expert in reserve parachutes, which is our part of very important gear. 
Yet you're you're a reserve. Uh, you were you were a reserve test pilot in skydiving. What what does that mean? I, I don't even know. What does that look like? Um, it was very interesting part of my uh, career. I was uh, national team, skydiving national team for many years, and uh, we had uh, coordination with uh, military air air team, and they asked us to test. Uh, Ragawa type reserve for skydiving because they use it uh, for the military stuff and they uh, this day it was uh, uh, Ragawa reserve parachute for skydiver it's not exist anymore but it was very interesting it was made 1981 it's called PZ81 and um, it's Ragawa type you can uh, control your landing if you need to uh, and we test the stuff it was a very interesting experience. Huh. And then were you doing a lot of, you know, testing on prototypes and that kind of thing as the years went by? Uh, it was not the prototype. Uh, and this year, this reserve was already exists for nine years. And we uh, did looking for the modified stuff, make it bigger because you can load with heavy stuff. And we uh, try to give our expertise if it's possible or not, because the bulky stuff, it's not safe and during if you throw a reserve and the free fall it can kill you if it's too big or not to uh, ha, uh, reserve has not correct opening precision yeah sure way more critical when you're at terminal yes for sure <laughs> <laughs> i saw uh, uh, how many reserve. jumps yeah go ahead yeah with one reserve how many jumps do you have i have over four thousand jumps was that a four four thousand yeah 4,000. Wow. And how much would that cost to do 4,000 jumps? <laughs> uh, actually, in my country, it was for free. Wow, really? Because you're on the national team? Yes. And, and before, when I started, it, it was uh, it's very similar system like in the U.S. Uh, you have for the uh, teenager. I started when I was 15 years old. And okay. it was free for us. For the new teenager, uh, you go to the club and they give you everything for free, included food. You can like spend weeks in the camp and just practice. The idea was behind very smart uh, run by government because all uh, generation, young generation after 18, they have to go to the uh, army or air force and make a service, right? And uh, the, uh, if government spent money before that, you already ready for for the army for the air forces. This okay. was the idea behind. Sure, sure, sure. And how did you start getting into? I would assume with the national team, you're doing the when you're flying with a hundred other people and you're doing formations and acrobatics and that kind of thing. Is that just the natural progression? Make it more exciting. Uh, yeah, it's. I was crazy about when I so I went to a drop zone every almost every my day. You know, like doesn't matter if it's rainy or it's cloudy. I went to the drop zone and just to see opportunity to make a jump every day. And I was the one of the skydiver who made the more sky uh, jump in the year. And after that, I uh, I saw future for the skydiving and i was decided to jump to the canopy formation uh discipline because it's very interesting very exciting and and i was dreaming about actually and um after that uh, i was in the local team then we went couple of camps i uh, the guys from the big team uh 
saw me, they invite me to uh, jump to another camp. And finally, I am a national team. And what national team was it? You forgive me for my lack of, you know, I, I can't really tell the the difference between the various Baltic uh, 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 languages. So are, are you Russian? Yes, I am. And so were you in Moscow or where were you uh, training? The team was around the Moscow, yeah. We were training okay. around the Moscow. But the country is huge. And the, yeah. uh, a coach collect uh, all good guys from the whole country. Country is huge. And we we have selection who can pass the selection, jump to the next level. And after that, they see the best of the best. I would we will go to the final team before every championship. How it was run. And after that, we made the team and we start training for that. And it sounds like you were pretty crazy about it. So how many years were you super involved in skydiving? I mean, was this your job? Uh, yes, it was my full-time job. Wow. That'd be a fun full-time job. I know, but when, when you're young, you don't have family, you don't have responsibility. It's good, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sure. So I I don't, you know, you do hear about accidents in, in skydiving. I understand that, you know, the, the risk goes up quite a bit when you start flying big formations just because of the speed, you know, and, and, and midairs can be something, but how would you, now that you're flying a lot and you're paragliding a lot and, and more involved in, in, in free flight and in that, under that canopy, under a paraglider, how would you compare the risk of the two in terms of, uh, potential and accidents and, you know, is it similar or is it way different? Uh, it's different, uh, because skydiving, the higher altitude you have, the more time for, um, cutaway you have, you can, you can fix the problem. You know, the, the uh, only way to fix problem in skydiving, special in canopy formation discipline, it's cut away. You just mm -hmm. uh, push the button and your main glider uh, fly away and you use your reserve. When you, well, you jump out on the side of the problem, usually if you can take a look on the pictures, uh, you will see how the uh, uh, canopy formation wrap is. It's like kind of several gliders messed up very fast. And every skydiver and my team uh, had like at least two hook knife, at least, mm. because you never know which hand will be blocked, you know, by one. You have to cut this out. Oh, uh, I carry three knife because one knife uh, helped me to cut the fabric if I need it. If you are, if like some canopy on your team, teammate canopy wrap around your body, you don't have space for throw your reserve. You have to cut the fabric and throw your reserve through the hole. It's the only way to survive. Wow, that sounds pretty intense. Yeah, I mean, it's we, we had this in the past. This is why, like, uh, <laughs> on uh, our last record, when we made in Florida, when we made 100 uh, wave formation, every skydiver had at least two uh, hook knives, at least. Because they are from, we were from the 14 countries. It's we collect experience from all world. Imagine that's you know, and and the use of a hook knife is certainly recommended in our sport, but it's not ubiquitous, is it? There's a lot of pilots that don't have one. Exactly, it's very bad because special for acro pilot, you must. Yeah, you must. I think the acro pilots are more switched on to that because they're, you know, they throw the reserve more. 
and 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 their and their potential, especially if they're if they're working on the infinite, the potential for getting gift wrapped is it goes way up. There's been a couple of scary videos that have come out this year. Kevin Phillips over over in Organia, and I just saw just had on the show. We haven't released it yet, but Philip Zellner had a very similar incident where he got gift wrapped working on the infinity. He was actually coming out of it and screwed it up and got gift wrapped and whoa, you start going down real fast. Exactly. <laughs> this is why the, uh, it's different between skydiving and paragliding. If you have altitude, you have time to fix it. Yeah. If you don't have altitude, you're screwed. Yeah. And paragliding, it's not free fall. You have more time for fix this uh, your glider. Uh, this is why my instructor told me uh, when I uh, start 2009 first lesson in paragliding. He told me if you survive first several months, you're okay, because he he know after skydiving because skydiving uh, had a different reaction on the glider. You have to react faster than paragliding. Paragliding you need mm. a little bit slower reaction. You don't have to be so crazy fast. And in mm. skydiving, you must. And this is why if you not kill your glider in the first several months, you're okay. You will fly. Really? Yeah. It's no exactly what it, because it's you need a like much faster reaction to turn your glider if you need to. Do you feel like having the background in skydiving really helped you progress faster than normal for sure, uh, when, for sure. when you came over to Paragline just because of your canopy experience and your maybe what what other experience would be very valuable there? Just, uh, just... It's uh, approach for the landing approach. You can see the different. You can see the um, landing options. It you can uh, you, like see the dangers on the landing. It's like my I automatically see the uh, lines. Automatically see the uh, way I can land, where I cannot land. It's it's like it helped me a lot with the, my final approach, and you can like. You have more observed information around. Like uh, Bianca always happy to see when I say, oh, birds here, birds here. Let's go, let's go this way. You know, because uh, your eye like 360 around. You have to see all small detail. I mean, the same mm. like for paragliding, the same very similar for skydiving as well. Mm, interesting. So it's a very observational, heavy sport. Correct. Yeah, that's it, interesting because it doesn't. It wouldn't strike me as that. And is that because of flying in formations with in the all formation, the other pilots? Specific You're for just really keeping track of everybody else. Yes, exactly for spe specific canopy formation. Yeah. Now, is this true too? I've heard of you know when when. When you're in free fall, so you haven't released your canopy and you're doing all the formations that that uh, the midairs can often be fatal in the air because the speeds. Is that is that something that's very rare or uh, does that happen every Not while? really. Uh, usually for the uh, canopy formation discipline, you have to you have only two, three second delay. You don't have real free fall. You throw your uh, main glider like after depends where you are in the position and the, your team. Like for example, I was uh, number one who throw uh, a parachute because every other three pilots next to me they saw when I throw they open it immediately and we after like two three second free fall we already have formation. It's like four diamond we already have it. When you open it, we just. I mean, you 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 get out of the plane and you're together that fast. No, yeah, we just jump out three or four people at the same time from the plane, and we 
uh, one uh, like for example i was number one who uh, opened the uh, parachute the first one and another guy uh, saw me he uh, threw his uh, glider open up and like three or other and we have like like steps one two three four and we connected to each other and this is because uh like 10 years ago 15 years ago it was the second amir started when first uh, pilot jump out of the plane this is our team and we had like eight team uh eight way team formation it's like mm. and and the last guys who touched the uh, formation second emirates stopped. this is how we made uh, several world records like 26 26 24 seconds for the four old guys build the formation this every uh, like couple of every second it's count you have to be like very precisely done what you're doing you know you know you have to know all position your body position next to your pilot because sometimes you can fight with his direction to help to minimize this time and are those those skydiving training centers you know where you get in the tube and you can you can practice all that is that is it, that it, really it, important it's for different uh, different discipline it's important but it's not for us uh, because we uh, do all uh, training with our canopy when parachute is open. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. So got to ask you some Hollywood stuff before we move on to the importance of you know, just some fun stuff. But, you know, I just saw that my neighbor down in twin miles Dasher and, and John I forget his last name, but they're, you know, they're part of the Red Bull air force and they did a bunch of training with Tom Cruise for the, the latest mission impossible where he's jumping off a bike and base jumping it looks like quite a cool stunt, but you know, there's been point break, of course, originally, you know, the original surf film with Patrick Swayze and, you know, they're jumping out of a plane without a, without a reserve. Is this just complete horse shit or is that possible? It's possible. It's just, it's, it's possible. We just uh, created a lot of risk because you like the more professional you are, you, you have more control on it. Mm. And uh, I don't know, you probably saw a lot of uh, video and record when guys landing without open parachute, the free fall and like big net on the ground. Yes. The problem is, yeah, you have to like fly directly to this net. You know? And <sighs> I know it's like the first, the first guys who made it, who landed on the empty uh, uh, boxes, remember? The boxes. <laughs> it was more crazy, you know, but that's crazy. it is, but you know, people try to make a show, you know, for no matter what, you know, even with the high risk, it's still. My favorite, my favorite of those guys are the Frenchies, you know, the, the, I think they call themselves the Frenchies, but they're the ones that do all the music and they're always doing the craziest stunts. Mm -hmm. They had one where they're driving across a bridge down in Southern France and they all huck, they all jump off the, uh, the top of a bus. They're driving across the bridge on a bus and they jump off and wingsuit. Ah, it's just so, so fantastic. Did you get into base jumping quite a bit you know, too or was it just kind of... No. Uh, uh, this really? is why the reason why I don't jump on base jump because from my uh, feeling, the more altitude I have, the more safe I am. Yeah. Because base jump, I, I, told, I have a, a lot of friends who is base jumper and uh, like several already passed away because of that ex uh, crazy experience. And um, the one, one friend told me the lower, the less altitude they have, it's the giving more uh, adrenaline. Yeah. And finally yeah, they you, move. The more, they, the more you reduce the margin, exactly. the, the more exciting it is. That's just a recipe. Yeah, for I know, exactly. And, and, and the ends, they like, 
jump from 50, 60 meters, it's like kind of limited, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's why wingsuiting has the numbers that it does. And now in, in more and more speed flying is, is apparently the numbers are getting pretty similar. And I don't know if that's because there's more people doing it, but it's, you know, in, in wingsuiting, it's the closer you are to the terrain, the more exciting it is. And it's just, man, it doesn't take much to, to screw it up. I have not done it. That's just from talking to my friends who do, but they all have a, there's a lot of RIPs in, in the in that community be, be, believe is... me i had so many uh landing like that very close because when you're young you can screw it on the landing and make a swoop on the ground just very low and just like horizontal fight and all that it's still you know how many times my butt touched the ground faster <laughs> than i want yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah. uh it's... We aren't as resilient as we start to get older and lose our hair too, is it? Are we? Exactly. <laughs> Be a little more careful about that kind of stuff. We don't bounce quite as well. Um, okay, let's let's switch to you know the re the reason you said hey I, I'd really like to to get on the show is really your 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 business side of things. You fix gliders, uh, which we can talk about, but it's mostly the repacking. And you were saying before we started recording that you see a lot of mistakes in repacks that was surprising to me I, I would expect some but uh you're you're seeing a lot let's let's go through and this is an audio podcast so this is going to challenge you know being able to articulate this without showing it but what what are the steps or what are the things that people are missing and can you take us through a proper repack uh yes how i said i saw like the, usually my my business running like last five years for the reserve repacking and uh, uh, how you said I started trimming and glider fixing and other stuff uh, with the canopy. The reserve issue most of the time uh, is the glider, uh, the, the pilot cannot, don't know how to install correctly. Usually they like flip the uh, reserve upside down and all lines, if you throw reserve, all lines will be on your hands. It's one problem. Another issue is uh, if the handles connect not properly to the uh, internal uh, container. Like uh, the more dangerous pilot is PPG guys, power motor. They send me a reserve with the outer container. When I open the outer container, I saw like guys, it's uh, crazy. Sometimes they connect. I like last couple of months ago, I, I got the reserve from one pilot in Minnesota, I think. Um, bridles was connect to the it's, it was ragawa reserve and bridles was connect to the bridge between risers you know if Wait, what hand, handles was connect to the uh, bridge between risers if Holy and shit. i said man who connected he said it's my instructor i said what is his name give me please his name i want to talk oh. with him of course he he, he didn't but you know he <laughs> I said, man, it's very, I, I make a pictures and I post it on Facebook just to uh, like share this information, how it was on the, on the reserve. You know, if you throw a reserve and connect it to your bridge between risers on the Yoragawa, it will not open. No. If it's so, it's like line will go around the handles around, like uh, it will not open. For sure. Holy cow. It, it's just one of the last example, but so other small pro issues is like, all the time they uh the second mistake 
people when I send it when I pack the reserve I left the oops on the uh, internal container just a little bit just like two three centimeters maybe maximum I I saw the uh, reserve when it uh, sent it me for repacking it's like 20 centimeters you know no, wait, a loop no. inside the, the final loop inside the container when you throw yes. you will have the big loop sticking out if yes. if it's not installed properly Ah. It will it will create a delay for sure, and plus yeah. this loop can hook some other lines and lock. So you need you need that loop to be short. Yeah, the shorter the better. You mean it's kind of not not super short because when you throw you can leave this inside the, uh, your harnesses, but you need a little bit, just to two three centimeters maximum. Okay. Because and also uh, during the uh, repacking, I'm always at uh, several other technique which I found. From my experience, from my uh, skydiving and repacking, uh, add special uh, tricks which is help open reserve faster. Like for example, I make a loop inside the uh, inside the reserve just to when you reserve uh, get the air a little bit. You if uh, lines this together, they give you like like half second, you know, delay. But because for us, every second it's count, right? We have to be like and. I made this uh, like more and more efficient to open it, more faster. I, well, can you explain that in in a way that the, it's the it's probably better. I will send you something. We yeah, I will send you notes. pictures. Maybe it's step by step okay. how it's, and you can you know, share it because like sometimes it's hard to explain uh, what does it mean. It, but you have to show the step by step. It's it's help to people to see how 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 much different for the each like for the opening okay well the, we'll we'll put we'll put that in the show notes so everybody can check that out the what are you seeing in different deployment times between the various reserves any some i mean because some matters if it's a little bit you know i i had a reserve throw really really low here training for the last x alps and it was a steerable square and Boy, it came out fast. It was it was quite nice. It was lucky that it did because I threw really low. I was basically on the ground. And my question: Doesn't this terrible reserve help you? Steer? Oh no, no. In that case, not at all. No, it, it would have been impossible. I, I I'm just saying that's what I threw. And it, it, but it, what I was impressed by was that it 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 opened very fast, which I needed it to. I was yeah. I was, it was not good. And so yeah, I was very thankful that it opened really fast. I'm just wondering if you've seen much difference between the octagon or a, or a, or a round or a square. Or... Technically, it doesn't matter much. It uh, only does it's how fresh you repacking. Because uh, it's like, because your fabric compress sit in the uh, container, right? And uh, mm -hmm. like for 12 months at least. You can imagine, right? If you compress the like your pillow, if you sleep on the pillow, you you compress it will be smaller and smaller, and to back to the same size, you need time. This is what we're losing during the throw reserve, right? With this is time, and if it's fresh repacking, it's opening faster. Everyone know about, yeah. but people lazy to think about because it's like, oh, I probably will not use it, you know, but you never know. <laughs> Right? That's a bad. That's I, a bad. I, it's a lot of conversation. Oh, I, oh for example, uh, you repacked my reserve years ago, but I didn't fly. I will not repack this season. I said, listen, it doesn't matter. It sits in the small container. It if it doesn't matter if you use it or you don't. You still you have to repack it. 
it gives you like more chance to open it. I mean, faster. And Andre, not not to promote laziness whatsoever, but you know, when I watch your videos of repacking, you're going to get it way better than I can, just because you're doing it over and over and over again. I have been told that, you know, the perfect little folds and really getting it perfect is not really that important. Mm -hmm. True or false? Yeah, uh, it's not important. It's kind of be done by uh, manual, but the more important, it keep all wine straight. This is with yeah. which creative an issue. If your wine is messed up, it can be open, not uh, symmetrical. It's one problem, but another is can grab another wine and make a nut or something like that. It's like possibility. But this is why uh, for the new pilots, I am not recommended to buy like sterbo reserve or like Ragala type or like uh, square st sterbo reserve. You don't need it, this complicity. It's good to have, uh, if you like, for example, you and me, we like on. Um, we have two reserves in the harness, right? And we have a choice, which one? Like, for example, my uh, main reserve is square, and my stereo reserve is my backup, my Rogala. Mm -hmm. It's just in case, mm -hmm. because if you have altitude, you can uh, choose your stereo reserve and kill your glider. Because without, yeah. if you don't uh, disable your glider, it doesn't matter which reserve you have. It doesn't help you much. Your glider drag you, it's like even sometimes creative more issue, more problem. Yeah. And yeah, this is why you like you, uh, the low altitude, I will throw my squ square reserve because it's less complicity and uh, it will be guaranteed to open faster than stable. I, I think that's important. I, I threw in my reserve uh, a, a steerable down in Columbia a few years back in just a, a day right before a comp. And I, I had to wait quite a while to throw it because I was trying to drift over a little tiny field. And I thought, man, if I could throw this and then stick it into that field with my steerable, that'd be really sexy. And I, I ended up landing in the field, but the steerable was a joke. I, I, I did not realize how long it takes to make all that happen. You know, by the time I had disabled my glider and had it all in my lap, I was on the ground exactly. and I, I, luckily the wind was in a, you know, I, I landed in the little field and packed that reserve up and relaunched and flew back to home because I had the other reserve. And so it was, it was kind of brilliant how it all worked out, but I, that I had heard this, you know, that it takes a long time to, to activate the steering, you know, side of things when you have a steerable, but it really takes a long time. It, it, it takes yeah. quite a while. So I have the same thing. I fly with a steerable. I actually fly with my steerable on my primary hand. And I fly, so maybe I should reverse that. That's interesting. You fly it the other way around, but the, you know, I can, I'm the same way. Now I would think about it. I would choose, you know, instantly I go right hand, you me, know, not me instantly me I go too. left hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You, I don't want to skip something. You said people put it in backwards or upside down oh, so, lines. Talk about that. Uh, it's very common mistakes uh, because if uh, I think the guys from England, they made very nice video with the testing. Uh, they, yeah, Matt Wilkes. Yeah, it's like they, they explain very clear. You know, if you throw your reserve with two motion, uh, front and back, you're lying on your hands and it's stuck. You know, it's mm -hmm. the same when you throw a reserve and... Uh, this is why most of the harness now they sell on container, internal container, because they market it like ad, ad, advanced. They always mm -hmm. have the marker where the uh, face on the container should be matte face on the harness, right? They're like mm -hmm. two dots, they have to match. 
And this is like a good idea because otherwise people flip and uh, line up and give you a uh, less like f- mm, slippery, right? You put the wisdom more like yeah. harder to, to throw it. And yeah. plus your so lines down. It lines down and all uh, are not, everything should be on the bottom of the harness. And yeah. it, because nothing should be on the way. Sometimes people just put the all line, all uh, nuts on the, on the top of the reserve. When you throw, you, you throw out for the harness with all nuts, with everything on the top of the container. This is how creative the issue. Okay. And, and I think it's really important. The other thing you said, because when I learned how to paraglide, you pull it forward and you huck it back and that's totally changed now. That's yeah. not correct. And, and I think a lot of people still have that in their, in their minds. And, and, and it's, they have to you know, practice. because it's this, you know, you, you have to, you have this thing where you're pulling it out and then you're hucking it, but it's just one fluid motion, isn't it? Exactly. You grab and huck it. Exactly. And you have to uh, practice on your own re- uh, harness because like, for example, one harness has a uh, like, container with a uh, like 40, 25 degree uh, flip. Like, uh, for example, uh, Wood Valley has it. And you have, to, and you throw just on the back, sometimes it doesn't help, you know, because, like, special for tiny girls, they don't have muscles on the, uh, like, on the right hand, for example, right? Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. to follow the technique, you know, like how they recommend it. Exactly. Like in in practice, you have to practice. Azon uh, harness has some, with the front mount container has uh, three pins. It's creative some delay with the opening, what I saw, but mm. you have to practice. You have to build your muscle for, for yeah. this. I, we were just recording a show again. This one hasn't out yet, but I had Nick Reese and Russ Ogden on the show yesterday and we were just talking about spring tune-up things and we, we got into reserves and we were talking about auto rotation, which Russ hates that term auto rotation, because there's nothing auto about it. You have done this. This is manual rotation. It's your fault. You've gotten into the auto rotation and you can get yourself out of it. You know, it's not an automatic throw it's get out of the auto rotation. But if you have to throw, obviously if there's doubt, you have to throw. And what he was talking about, what they're finding is if you're in that kind of situation where there's a potentially a lot of G force when you're, and I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. Cause I had never heard this. This sounds really scary, but he was talking about how important it is to have that reflex of where the handle is. You do it every time you leave the hill down to, you know, you follow this you know, and Theo de Blick talks about this all the time. Just that you're, that needs to be totally automatic where that handle is, because if you're in a cascading situation, you may not be in a situation where you can look a, or he was talking about that. You're, if you're in really heavy, uh, G four situation. He said, people hands can go down. And if you miss the handle, your hand gets buried down and the G force holds it so hard that you don't have the strength to get back to your handle. And that, that is really spooky. Have you heard of this? Yes, I do. And also another issue it's can be done too. Like if you right hand and you reserve on your right side with the uh, rotation, you like your hands can be locked by rising. Right? Okay. And you cannot pull your right right hands down. Get your hand out. Yeah. yeah. In this case, you have to use it to your left hands. This is why uh, yeah. pilot who have a frontal, like a backup container, which is a good idea. Because you can reach the uh, handles or left or right hands under your frontal. 
right mm-hmm. on your front uh, mount container, which which helps. Always yeah. uh, on advanced harness, you can access for the for both reserve from the left and from right side as well. It's it helps. You know, I was just thinking about this when I threw my reserve. I was on light <coughs> kit. You know, I was bi- I was doing a bivy expedition. I was doing a bunch of training, and I was very heavy, and I was also on my light kit. So I had you know I had oxygen and all my camping stuff, and uh, it was a front mount and. I'm trying to visualize. I think I just grabbed it and hucked it, but are you supposed to go around the riser and huck it from the outside or can you just go uh, you, right Usually it, it should it be going around the riser because if you throw from here, you you will go through the, through your uh, risers, right? Through the lines. Through the yeah, lines, through your like inside. You have to throw, go uh, uh, out of the uh, riser. I must have done that because I had a clean deployment, but I was just, th- I, I remember thinking about that a lot when I got my front mount. It was, you know, something where kind of unfamiliar with we don't think about too much your your point that you've got to practice this stuff this is this is an interesting thing because these days as you as you start to get better in this sport we start flying a lot of different gear don't we we have our bivy kit we have our hike and fly kit we have our cross country kit we have our racing kit we have our acro kit i mean i have five different harnesses maybe six and this is, uh, you know, when I, I had an issue training acro over the desert, switching back to my acro gear that I've talked about many times in the show. It was hysterical if it wasn't so dangerous, but you know, that, that muscle memory wasn't there with the acro harness. I hadn't been flying. I've been flying my hike and fly kit, which only has one reserve. My first reserve wasn't attached <laughs> through it. Whoa, I my remember, gosh, yeah. look at that. <laughs> and so, but I, I had, I briefly, for the br- very briefest time, forgot that I had a second reserve. So that wasting a second or two meant I hit the ground without the second one deploying. I, I threw the second one, but I, but that you know I saw it roll out and then I hit the ground. And luckily it was okay. I had enough of my wing flying over my head, and it was in parachutal and not you know resurging or something or restarting. So there was a lot of things there that went really my way, but that muscle memory wasn't there with the acro kit and it was it was it could have been lethal yeah exactly you have to practice this uh, you have to know your gear for sure especially if you have se- several kits like you said and i have two uh, i have one white one and i have competition one and uh, and uh, I, I like white one because in new england we have to hike to the mountain almost every time we don't have option with gondola or with the lift because <laughs> not available in our area but still we we have to hike this is why i don't want to hike with my competition gear <laughs> so how often you said you said the reserves definitely open faster if they've been freshly packed and then they get russ was even talking about that they get kind of a, a static energy Got it. when they're when what is that is that static energy is that right yeah you, because you, you, like special new fabric they are synthetic now they leave can like can live now for 15, 20 years. The uh, the mm. old uh, reserve, they stay for 10 years only because they use a different type of fabric. Now the new one, and of course, this is the nylon or some other type of uh, fabric, they're synthetic when you, I mean, they uh, creative some electrical static, right? And when you when I refresh the reserve, my, my, my usual pro, uh, process is open reserve, uh, give a brief, like, 12 24 hours you know just to be because a fabric has a memory you have to mm. release this and pack in a little bit different shape because if you found the same shape it's kind of 
after cup of freezer uh, cup of uh, yes it will be uh, creative some even fabric is so, uh, soft it's still when you bend it in the same place several times it can be place with uh, will uh, damage will cause the damage you know it's it's possibility mm. it's not like we'll be like hundred percent but it's still it will be a stress point for the for the reserve so so it sounds like regardless of the hours you're flying or your currency or anything kind of thing you know the minimum is once a year or is that not even enough i and my, uh, when i was on national team we repack every month every month every month no but that's skydiving skydiving what, what would you do for paragliding what, what would you recommend i will recommend it at least every six months every six months regardless if you're flying the kid or not exactly it's gi- that doesn't matter really just, yeah but you know uh, still it's fresh repacking it's give you and plus when you're hiking up and uh fly you sit on the harness your uh, reserve it's sit inside the harness as well and make a some like kind of uh f- following the shape of the harness you know it it can change configuration inside it's not big deal but still it uh, can be an issue for uh for open Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder how much resistance there is to this. It, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the what we, what we're willing to spend money on in the sport, and where we're willing to shave money, just in some ways, makes no sense whatsoever. You know, it's a reserve. It's a pretty important piece of your kit. Exactly. It's, you know, it's like flying without an inreach. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Correct. And people still, oh, I don't need a square reserve. Expensive. I will buy the round one. But round has some like kind of not stable landing. It can. I mean, it's kind of slow delay and old design already. Why you have to buy old design because it's cheaper? You own like you, you buy the cheap insurance yeah, for yourself. Not where we save money, exactly, it? you save hundred bucks, but for what? You know, like, <laughs> you've broken an ankle. Exactly, you will pay more later. You know, but it's not point. You know, I I like I think I'm sure many people who listen uh, who are listening today. You know, I had this thing. Well, I'll never have to throw my reserve. And for years, and I was flying in Sun Valley and really, you know, strong air and a lot of hours and a lot of comps and the X Alps and the whole thing. And never, 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 you know, I must be a really good pilot. And then, you know, I've thrown three times now in combat and, you know, and and not, in other words, not over the water, not training acro. I've, I've done several of those now too, but those are, you know, these were in situations where I needed my reserve. And I can tell you that, you know, even on a reserve that is, you know, 20% over the weight range, all the things that they recommend, you can come down pretty darn fast. And depending on the terrain you're coming into, you know, flat, rocky, cement, top of a roof versus a nice slope with grass like you have in the Alps, you know, it's, it's really variable. And and it's it's always been surprising to me how fast you come down. It's it's whoop, you're on the ground, and it's yeah. I think I think having that. <laughs> this is why yeah you have to uh, add extra at least ten kilo on the top of your takeoff weight. Even your yep. glider fly next to you, right? It's, you cannot count your glider, for example, like five kilo, for example. But still, uh, if you fly in, in Utah, for example, on. 14,000 right on 12,000 you need a bigger reserve because yeah, because air's thinner exactly exactly you need bigger reserve i would say i will recommend it at at least 10 kilo on the top of your takeoff weight 15 20 is the be- is the best but yeah 
it's it's like a recommendation but of course people are looking for the cheaper option sometimes you know well i have 100 takeoff i will buy the 100 reserve for the 100 kilograms on the top mm. you know and, and i think what you're talking to the the pendulum effect whatever they call that under the round i, I think that uh or downplaning. I think these kind of things can really impact us, right? I mean, if you, 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 you happen to have that timing wrong, which you don't have any control over when you're going to hit the ground when you're under reserve, really, is that could be the difference between you know a walk away and a and a trip to the ankle doctor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, it will. Uh, and if you throw reserve high enough, you have time for uh, for fix it, right? To all left and right moving. If you low, you don't have time. You don't have choice. You throw, you throw. This is why I always recommend it to my student. If you before throw reserve, just check your altitude. Sometimes people are crazy and don't worry about the altitude. But check your altitude first. If you have enough altitude, okay, you have more chance to survive and be uh, without any issue to land it. If you don't have altitude, just throw. Just throw. Don't think. Yeah, I I would postulate too that when people don't have quite a lot, and I mean, you know, way more than one <laughs> SIV training, that the 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 fatal accidents I have seen, and I've seen quite a few, have been I have never seen anything bad happen under canopy. I mean, in other words, under reserve. I have all the all the really bad stuff I have seen not launching and landing, I'm talking about in the air, have been just not throwing, you know, people going all the way to the deck without without throwing. And I would postulate that's because they're trying to fix it and they've lost track of where they are in the sky. They're not they're not checking the ground. Exactly. This is why uh when I throw my reserve in Florida during the camp or on Paraguay, I had uh frontal on 4500 right and my glider was like had the very like frontal collapse and we had the free fall uh it was like uh, task was canceled because the strong wind and it was, something happened with the with the wind and thermaling i was in the uh, sink very high, big sink area and glider cannot open it i saw my glider i remember glider on the front of me and we like he just tried to open but not enough air i don't know what happened but we free fall wow. for maybe five four hundred meters we free fall i check i check my altitude my free fall was like 12 meters per second 10 12, 12. Wow. and and Crazy. okay and from in just my uh skydiving background show up okay okay uh my altitude two three okay i'm throwing reserve i saw the trees it's time to open it and it was opening exactly how the skydiving no the way just boom and my harness was broke and like because because free fall opening uh paragliding reserve it's kind of a little bit fail, right? yeah it's like fast opening for sure and this is what, you don't because you don't have the little square thing when this guy you don't have that little thing that kind of slowly opens no it, it's right? like it, immediately it, it's, it's, it's shock it's open because this is why my harness was damaged after this opening Wow. It's opened very fast, but it's remind me like my skydiving. <laughs> you know, skydiving experience. I have, uh, of course, uh, I have two opening, like cutaway, real cutaway in skydiving, and other testing, just it's not count, but in real one, it was exactly the same. You have to like just free fall and open, throw your reserve, you know. 
So let me let me see if I can summarize real quickly where we're at so far. We we got to fly with a hook knife. We got to fly with freshly packed reserves. You know, ideally, no more than six months. We want to repack them. Uh, we want to fly with two reserves whenever possible. It's nice to have that that backup. There's some some interesting data on that, but uh, we want to fly with newer reserves you know the new materials and new newer designs square octagon rather than around we don't want to fly a reserve that's more than 10 years old and we want to we want to make sure it's packed correctly we want to have the lines down that's super important we want to have the handle correct uh, correctly attached to the bag we want to have muscle memory for where the reserve is and the harness that we're currently flying. We want to make that super redundant that we do it all the time. And it's just, we can find it with either hand in various situations. And that just comes from practice. That's one of the things I do every time I take off. I just take off once I'm away from the hill and I'm, I'm safe. I grab both toggles and I just do it. Exactly. Even on comp days, I just make that kind of part of my, it's almost like my pre-flight check, even though I'm in the air. Are we missing anything? Um, looks like everything. Yeah, in, in reach, how you said, you have to like have your position and insurance, right? Yeah, <laughs> global risk insurance. insurance which actually, this <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. It's uh, it's next town global risk head headquarters. It's Lebanon and New Hampshire. It's next town when I flew last last uh, record, you know, from Ascadia. It's next town. <laughs> The same. Yeah, we're going to talk about your record here yeah. in a sec. Yeah, I was just actually on the phone with those guys. You know, they're they're our title sponsor of the X Red Rocks, and so I was initially worked with them with my boat operations. And you know, we had a guy get a, a really bad staph infection on the boat in Papua New Guinea after a reef cut, and they evacuated them out of there. Out of there, which was a big job uh, getting someone out of the very remote part of Papua New Guinea, getting him home to Europe. But so I, I've been a fan of theirs for a long time, but like you said, it's, again, this is one of these places where we should spend a little bit of money, for sure, <laughs> and, you, know, it's, you know, given what we do and, uh, and given the, given the odds and the, the chances and all those kind of things, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not inevitable for sure, but it, it can certainly happen. Yes, for sure. Insurance is one. Tell me about your record. That sounded amazing. You just had a. Did this just happen? Uh, which records are you talking about? No, well, no, you flew to the beach. Oh, for the beach. Yeah, it was done a couple of weeks ago in New England. Wow. It's uh, is this the first flight from paragliders? Because they used to fly only hang gliders to the beach, because we always fight with the breeze from the ocean, and even uh, hang glider cannot. Fight, fight through the, this uh, breeze from the ocean because wind from the ocean is so strong you cannot reach it. You got a strong sea breeze there. Are you sea in breeze. Yeah, we uh, we fly from Vermont uh, and like it's almost hundred miles from the beach and it was like I was not expected. Let's say this way. We just that wasn't the plan. No, it was not the plan. Well, we just wow. I just had some feeling uh, in my head. Uh, I just, I just followed my intuition. It's like hard to... Were you with anybody? Yeah, I was with my friend, uh, Max uh, Kachura. I just trimmed his glider and he was so happy. I mean, for the first, he was a little bit uh, like kind of scared because it's first flying trim glider. He never, uh, ki he kite only, but didn't fly. And he, after 
a while he was wow it's so nice glider now you know and we flew together in the team fight the team fights helps a lot you know especially with the blue day not so high cloud base we just fall on the wind and we had uh two airspace have to fly out i flew maybe 100 meters from airspace board just to try because wind was pushing us to the airspace twice and we fly out of and it's just Competition helped me to push uh, my bar faster and fly faster as much as possible. Just okay. Where were you flying? Uh, I flew a uh, climber two now with my white gear and uh, boomer twelve on my competition gear. That climber is a beautiful wing. It is. So you, so it was how far? Is hundred miles? It's hundred fifty three kilometers. It's almost hundred miles. Damn, man. That, so, I mean, I, I can't visualize this because I've never flown. I mean, I've been to Vermont. I used to ski race out there back a long, long time ago. I used to ski race out in Maine and Vermont, you know, for the Norams and stuff. But the, you know, for many of the listeners, flying in New England is something they've never even heard of. What, what, describe the terrain. What are the mountains like? It's, uh, it's very treed, I would it's, imagine. It's a lot of trees. It's not so high mountain. Uh, it's like we have a white mountain and green mountain. Green mountain, most of the Vermont and uh white mountain in new hampshire area and you have it's uh new hampshire has this uh, washington mountain it's called uh one of the 10 places in the earth with worse weather it's why like, it's the craziest weather. Uh, seriously if you check the google if you google we, we, we i've seen all of eduardo's training films on that mountain jesus exactly just, for <laughs> my like 12 years uh, 13 years experience i flew once this mountain with Eduardo and for him too, because we cannot find the nice window for flight for flight in this mountain. This is. This I had uh, I had an awesome sailplane pilot on the show way back when Kevin. He I think he was talking. Is is Mount Washington? Is it set up uh, wave? Yes. They they fly in the way. Oh man! Yeah. Wow, crazy. I was so, trying yeah, to it's top, top landing in this area, but uh, it was not uh, good uh, weather, and I went on the bottom after 70k or so you know like it's not much landing area around for sure it's like long fly to the trees you know like yeah. <laughs> it's like sometimes you have 50 by 50 meters and you have to be lucky to plant on this yeah area. wow i've seen i've seen some of donizete's photos of flying in the in northeast and you look at it looks like finland i mean there's exactly, lakes exactly. everywhere there's water everywhere it, i mean I, it, when i when i did the podcast with joanna she showed me you know the finland they call it the the land of a thousand lakes or, or a million lakes ten thousand lakes there's a lot of lakes there's water everywhere and and i would look at donizete's photos it looks like that it's exactly just exactly water every, you, you think well how how are the thermals happening here it's uh, this water. is why one of the uh element what we flew two, uh, two weeks ago it's no leaves on the trees mm -hmm. you know and this is like thermic uh, the the forest can re uh, release the uh, thermic as well with the big difference temperature between night and day this is like uh, how creative the nice thermics like a couple of weeks later leaves already on the trees and probably it will be less active less punchy oh but okay. still we still we still have some uh, uh hills and um still some small mountain but we can fly around like for example uh my new hampshire record i took off from 250 feet mountain it's like training hills yeah, that's some UK stuff there, man. I mean, that's that, that's a big hill for the UK. When I when I went over there and watched those guys, I thought, wait a minute, you're going XC from here? This is a tiny little molehill, you know. I, you know, Mount Monroe where we have the the wide open. That's 
five thousand feet to the butt. I valley. know. I've been there. I've <laughs> got some the time to work at it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty feet. How far did you fly? Uh, Eighty kilometers. Wow, that's, and that's exciting. I, I was practice uh, my Puma. Uh, gym glider, I was take off and top landing, take off and top landing, just practice my like, uh, build my, my, my experience. And I didn't have this time valid, I don't have anything with me. I just, with, with the short jacket, you know, with nothing, I don't have, and yeah, I just find awesome. a nice thermic and just uh, drifting, drifting, drifting. I say, okay, I can go. And I, and I left <laughs> and I call my Wicked. guys, you know, like, hey guys, can you drift my car? I don't have anything with me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love the unplanned stuff. That's special. That's really neat. And then you start thinking, I mean, don't you? Then you start thinking, how often could that work? You know, and what, what, what was special about that day? Maybe not that much. You know, you might be able to go back there and repeat that over and over again. I, I mean, that's what it's what the, the British pilots talk about on their little hills. You know, that they once they discover that works, it works. They, they can get away. It is. You just, I mean, you have to have uh, like... Your plan uh, always behind you, inside your head. You have to like thinking. Okay, if I took off and I found an observation, you can see the bird. Yeah. If you see the bird start climbing, okay, jo join them. This yeah, is go. key. Even Do even it. your super low, this is your key. Yeah, but yeah, and of yeah. course you have to feel the uh, air. You now if you feel like something lifty, you have to go forward and just uh, try to play with it. Of course, we don't have much choice. If it's uh, a lot of uh, trees behind. You just to be very careful and confident. If you sure. if you grab this, you hold it. This is why new all pilots from New England they're very patient, usually, mm. because you play with the small stuff and you stay forever. You know, just stay. This is why my result on the competition not so good because I am on the goal, but I am like in the end of the list because I am always <laughs> walk to the top and push the bar after because it's yes. I change for. You, you I, you take you take your time you get to the top exactly i mean yeah. uh, bianca told me you have to go you have to push the bar i said yeah yes but when you tell me like, <laughs> just walking with it you know you're like you're, like, you're scared to leave it because you're like in new england if you leave the thermic so low you're on the ground yeah 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 no it, it's a it's a different approach i mean and i think that's why the british pilots are so good when it's light you know they're very very good when it's when it's the cores aren't gathered and they everything's kind of mixed up and it's just super soft and you have to drift forever and you have to be very patient and that can be that's not a skill that those of us that live on the west side of the of the continent are very good at because it's so strong you know a, a two meter climb is something you have to leave <laughs> this is, two meters for us know. it's like oh it's good climbing let's do it you know? yeah, yeah for you that's a boomer <laughs> exactly uh, i'm serious it's not a joke it's it's reality no i know it's a it's a very different kind of approach and we need to have experience it at all of them especially when you start competing welcome you, to you, new england well, you're not going to always fly by welcome to new england we can't show you how you have yes this. i need to i need to come out I, I i love all you guys i need to come out there and i know it's a it's an aspiring community you guys are you guys are tight and doing a lot of stuff together i'd love to get your perspective on trimming it's one of the important stuff for the competition glider and for recreation gliders as well because it's it kind of it's safety you know, if you, like, I had the glider a couple of weeks ago, even it's big glider, but one line was longer than other on 76 millimeters. It's B, it's B uh, lines. It was different. And I saw it was made professionally, but probably a pilot chose the wrong uh, 
length of the, of the light. It's 76 mm-hmm. millimeters different. Say so how you wow. survive on this glider? I don't know. <laughs> I just it's it's an inspection is also part of the uh, safety for the gliders because these day people just new special for new pilot they buy new gliders and most of the light gear which they are not ready for this for for the light mm-hmm. gear and they damage a glider very quicker. Yeah, it's it's good to have, but not for the new pilot and. It's kind of uh, strange for our old pilot who like had some experience. He just realized like the new glider is good if you have you have to hike with the gear and like you, how you said like light set right. But um, trimming is one of the safety issue for the old gliders. You have to check. Yeah, I've talked about this a lot on the show, so I won't. I don't want to totally hammer it, but I mean, I think we need to be really cognizant of what we're giving up when we go with the light gear. You know, a it's very expensive and it wears out really fast, you know? So there's a, there's a cost side of it that I think a lot of people don't, don't really process, but there's also, you know, that they're, these are more fragile in every way. They, you know, they, the line stretch easier, the, the fabric deteriorates faster. Your lightweight harness is not going to have the protection, even if it's EN certified, it doesn't have the passive protection that we're used to. We don't have a seat board, so we don't have the authority with the wing. So there's many things that come down to, you know, typically we're flying with one reserve, not two. So there's lots of things that is, celebrated i'm i'm so excited that it exists and that there's been this huge push because it allows us to attack the sport in in really wonderful ways and and walk up the hill without my comp kit which is lovely <laughs> but it's we are giving something up you know we're not flying our cadillacs anymore yes for sure white gear and it's it's you're absolutely right the white gear is kind of uh died very quicker compared with the regular game. Yeah. And it also, it, it just also behaves differently. You know, the, the light gliders are, uh, they, they collapse differently. They, they are more work. Exactly. Say for sure. Across the board, you know, they're, they're not the same. You know, they're, it's not the same ENB as an ENB and it's CNC and an ENC. They're different. Yes. Different I, I can machines. compare. I flew Leopard and I flew Puma. The Puma is light version of Leopard. Exactly the same structure, exactly the same line, uh, everything the same. Different fabric and different riser. And feel differently. Leopard can fly longer, especially for New England, you need a like, nice glide. Puma is kind of copy the same, but of course, light fabric cannot hold so much pressure and can like uh, fly a little bit differently. But the good of this for, the, uh, for Puma is with the strong lift, it can softer on the control much softer because like with the leopard can kick you so strong because it's a hard uh, regular fabric right the puma can allow you to play a little bit softer this is why puma is female and leopard is male you know it's like kind of different you know <laughs> right, right. different animal yeah i i think the before we leave trimming it it seems like at the competition end of things too the a lot of the really top pilots are trimming their gliders every comp. You know, it's something that they're really staying on top of. And and I can say, in my own experience, it really makes a difference. It is. It, and it's, it's line really... stretch. You cannot change it. Line will yeah. stretch. Depend how much uh, pressure you put on, on the lines. You know, if you spiral down, you like one side uh, extend 
faster than another site, for example. Or you, if you store your glider, it's differently. You have to check because all lines are sensitive now. Yeah. For sure. And you push the yeah. speed bar, you change your angle of attack all the time, and your A is like stretching up a little bit. Mm. You cannot avoid it. Well, let's finish here. What is your company so people know where to find you and, and what you're what you're doing and what's your website? And, uh, uh, thanks, my my company is uh, AirQuest Paragliding. I, I ran this company last five years and I do reserve free packing and inspection, which is an important part of the, our gear. And uh, I do the uh, glider inspection and repair, any type of repair and plus trimming now. Last uh, winter, I went to Austria and I was at FSA school where I took all this uh, uh, training about the streaming, where so many details, they like explained me so nicely. And uh, I was happy to visit Austria last winter and spent weeks there. Was great. Where, where is this? I didn't know there was a school for this. Uh, and after it's not for this. It's like a school. They do this service, and they just uh, give me uh, like certification of the stuff what they do, and they, oh. they train me for the like exactly for the trimming and small detail for the gliders. It's like it's for the, for testing and for inspection gliders. Wicked. Well. Andre, you'll send me all this stuff for the show notes. We're going to, you're going to send me some photos of, you know, how to and how not to pack and that kind of thing. We'll put all those in the show notes for when we release it. But thank you very much for your time and sharing all this great knowledge. And uh, congratulations on your big flight. And we'll see you in Chelan. Thank you, man. I was happy to talk about and see you soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. If you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable, you can support it in a lot of different ways. You can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, or however you get your podcast. That goes a long ways and helps spread the word. You can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing. A lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind-the-scenes cost. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So, for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription, and it makes all of this possible. Uh, I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I, for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people, and these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account. Of course, that'll be lifetime and hopefully you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But 
You'll find all that on the website. Uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, T-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account. And you should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. And we'll see you on the next show. Thank you. Thank you.